0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 203. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw in the house. Kevin, what's going on? It's alright. Is it? uh, It's alright. It's really cold and windy. What's the snow situation like there?
1: Nothing right now. Tomorrow to get some snow, but it's been super windy to the point that it sounds like my house is falling hmm. apart. Really loud. So you might get to hear some of that on the old podcast. Yeah, you might.
0: There. You might be able to hear some radiator noises coming from mine. Normally, I I turn it off, but it's so cold that there's just no way that I can do it. So <laughs> you may hear some uh, some of the old classic radiator clicks and hisses coming from oh, my man. end. Background noise, so plenty. background noise of aplenty Background noise of plenty today uh, Which yes. I, I always love to hear when I'm editing Because it just makes me feel like such a You know, we're 203 episodes in And I still, it's like we still can't nail this this whole audio thing
1: There's nothing yeah. you can do
0: You just can't do it It's great, it's what it's what makes our show professional
1: Well, exactly I think everyone yeah. knows that and realizes By this that.
0: point, yeah uh, this week on the show, we got two indie horror movies that we're going to be talking about. First up will be Southbound. This is an anthology uh, horror horror tale, uh, and then we also have Nina Forever, which is uh, kind of a kind of a zombie movie of sorts. We'll also be talking about some we've been watching on the watch list. We'll be going over this week's VOD releases, movie predictions, Blu-ray releases uh remember you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net be sure to check out our patreon too patreon.com slash filmpulse and i thank you for your support let's talk about some news items uh, i don't really have a whole lot as usual right. on the list here three more transformer movies have been announced
1: three Why? three what? more
0: you just ruined my yeah. fucking day
1: so 2017
0: 2018 2019 Sweet yep. Jesus! So that's gonna happen. So what's the total on that
1: now? Like, how many Transformers movies is that? Total? Uh, seven, I believe. <laughs> seven? Seven Transformers <laughs> movies? Are you yep.
0: serious? Yep. So, yay for that! Damn, that's wonderful. I don't.
1: I just, how do you have enough material for seven movies? You don't. I don't think you do you can't there's no way i mean they're they're like machines and appliances and shit that turn into robots yeah like that's enough for like two
0: two films maybe
1: not seven god
0: yeah it's uh pretty 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 it's bad incredible. news pretty shitty news on that mm-hmm. uh, i wanted to mention this this twitter account that popped up uh i believe it was this week um I don't know if you had a chance to to check this out. Uh, oh, is this the one with the yes. introductions of female so, characters? At, at fem script intros on Twitter, it's um, basically Ross Putnam Put Putman, this producer who is take he he took to Twitter and he's releasing the descriptions of female characters in the scripts that he that he gets that he reads. <laughs> and it's kind of ridiculous. I don't know if you've read any of these. It's
1: I have and it's uh, on one hand it's funny mm-hmm. and then on the other hand it's extremely sad.
0: Yeah. Let me just read So because... what he does is he he posts them up verbatim and then but he just changes the name to Jane. So uh I'll I'll just read a couple of these just at random. Jane, late 40s, naturally attractive, is having a glass of wine on the island of her spectacular kitchen. Jane, 20s, a neighborhood girl with fuck-me-eyes for him. Jane, 30s, beautiful, but pissed. He he enters and approaches Jane, mildly attractive secretary who is at one of the filing cabinets. As we get closer, we see that Jane is an attractive girl, but a little worn out looking at the moment.
1: Jesus Christ!
0: Yeah, these are these are great. <laughs> Make sure you uh you follow this this account again. It's at film or fem script intros. F E M script intros, and uh, it's a barrel of laughs and sadness. It's a barrel <laughs> yeah. of laughs and yeah. a barrel of sadness. <clears throat> what I would
1: like now is the the comparison. I would like to know like what like exactly. the male I want to th- lead. In these movies, like what's yeah, his Yeah, I, I want to see that too.
0: Just, just for that, just for to compare and contrast. Because the one, that, the one that you pointed out, it seems
1: like there's more, there's more thought going into the kitchen than the actual female
0: character. Well, it's, yeah, it's well, it's a spectacular kitchen. So
1: and it's well, it's got an island.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, check that out. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's not surprising, but it's uh, it's still still an interesting little. Little Twitter account. I like those those Twitter accounts when they pop up. Trailers this week got a whole shitload of trailers that came out. We got a new one for *Huntsman: Winter's War*, which I didn't mm-hmm. watch, but uh, I'm sure that it is amazing. I, I love how you I love how <laughs> you have a Snow White movie that has no Snow White and has no dwarves. That's how, that's that's how you do it. <laughs> Because you gotta make everything dark just, now. Just take them out. They're unimportant. What who's really important is the fucking huntsman. Side note, well, yeah. I watched Snow White and the Seven Dwarves last night, uh the the Disney one, and it was just so funny mm-hmm. when the huntsman shows up in that movie, I just go, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> Because if you see him in the animated movie, it's just he's like a schlub. It's just it's just really funny. Uh <laughs> oh. Uh, let's see. A new trailer came out for Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. That's the uh, Tina Fey one. I'm interested in that. that looks good.
1: I, I saw the... I don't know what trailer one I of saw them. for it. But
0: yeah, one of them. It looks... Pan. I'm interested. It could be Could be interesting. Uh, Criminal. This is the one with Ryan Reynolds and Kevin Costner, where... Uh, I, I don't really know what's going on in this one. Like, Kevin Costner plays a, some kind of serial killer or something, and... And his, like, the, the memories of Ryan Reynolds get implanted into Kevin Costner so that he can do something for the government? I don't know. It looks... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what to think about that one. Paradox. This is a time travel movie with, with Zoe Bell, so it's kind of a time travel action movie. looks pretty bad. Mr. Right. This is uh, written by Max Landis, I believe. It's with uh, Sam uh, Rockwell. And Anakin. Jesus Christ. Not so sure about that one.
1: How is he. Yeah, never mind. (laughs) Never mind. How the fuck is he still working?
0: It looks looks a lot like. uh, It looks a lot similar to American Ultra, actually. Just with a hit. It looks like a hitman instead of like a government agent. What? A hitman? He's a hitman. But here. here, This is the twist, though, Kevin. So he's a hitman, but he develops a moral code. So what he does is. Anytime somebody hires him to kill somebody, he kills that person. He kills the person that hired him instead of the target. What? Yep.
1: I think that... What? Does he do any sort of investigative work before, or is he just, like, across the board? He's like, if you hire me, I'm going to kill you. Because, like, what happens if it's, like, someone that was, like, raped, and they're like, I need you, I'm hiring you to kill this person because they raped me. And he's like, ha, you hired me, I'm going to kill you instead. Yeah, I don't know. Like, does he look into it at all? Would, or is he just decided? I would so,
0: but also I feel like after maybe the first two that he does, people would catch wind that he's doing this and not hire him anymore.
1: Yeah, you would cut yeah.
0: You think that word would spread. Yeah,
1: I don't know. But then again, I don't know how it works. Like, the grapevine and the and the assassin yeah, department. Yeah. And I don't know if there's,
0: like, a forum. If there's, like, a forum you go to. If like, a yeah. subreddit? True. It's pro. It's probably something yes. on 4chan. I would imagine, uh, the new Purge movie, Pur the Purge election year. Go trailer. Yeah. Uh, I'll see it. It looks no well, fine. I guess it looks just like the last Purge, but this one's kind of interesting in that uh, there's a a presidential candidate who her platform is that she wants to get rid of the Purge. So obviously, on Purge Night, everybody tries to kill her, uh-huh. and the 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 character from the last uh, Purge—I can't remember his name—but he's played by Frank Grillo. Uh, he's back, and he's like hired as a as a bodyguard, and he has to protect this uh, presidential candidate from being purged. So I'll check it out. I, if I remember correctly. I liked the second one a little bit more than the first one in that it was kind of exactly what you had hoped the first one would, would be, but it still wasn't great. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this next one is a little bit better than the last one, maybe. We're, we're, it seems like we're probably, if these keep
1: going, you're going to get it, you know, you're going to kind of yeah. whittle it down to where they don't overthink yeah. the premise and they just
0: go straight forward yep. with it. Uh, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they make, like, just... Baby steps forward with this premise because it's it is such a great premise. Uh, it's it is yeah. a good
1: idea, yeah, it's, it's a cool and definitely one that you can just yeah, keep you can keep doing it. You can down. keep
0: as long as the purge exists in this fictional world, you can just keep doing it over and over. Infinite amounts of stories. Like, I want to see because so far, they pretty much, if I remember correctly, they all take place in like cities. Well, maybe not. No, that's not true. I guess the first one was kind of in a, more of a suburban area. I'd just like to to see them vary the locations a little bit, yeah. switch it up. Like what happens in Hawaii? Yeah, pur- like, did, purge? Do, they, do they, they purge in Hawaii? And if so, what does that what does that entail?
1: What's that look yeah. like?
0: Uh, Broad City season three got a trailer. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, so excited! So excited for season three of Broad City. Cannot wait. Uh, Silicon Valley season three got a teaser. This is just a little tidbit. Damn, that's one season three yeah. already?
1: Man, I haven't even started oh,
0: that one. Oh, you are in for a treat, my friend. Cause it is, oh, it is fantastic. It's too much goddamn TV. There's a lot of great TV. A lot of great TV right now. Can't do it. Yep. Uh pretty much that's pretty much it for trailers this week. Let's go ahead and jump into our first review. Uh I was thinking oh. about doing southbound just simply because it's uh first of my little tabs here. So Let's, do, Let's it. do it. I have a synopsis. Five interlocking tales of terror follow the fates of a group of weary travelers who confront their worst nightmares and darkest secrets over one long night on a desolate stretch of desert highway. This is directed by Roxanne Benjamin, David Bruckner, Patrick Orvath, and Radio Silence, which is a group of people. It's not just one eccentric individual. <laughs> I kind of hope it was, though. <laughs> like his, his first name is Radio and his last name is Silence.
1: Uh, I would enjoy that.
0: Uh, Radio Silence is comprised of uh, Matt Bettinelli, Olf Olpin, Justin Martinez, Tyler Gillette, and Chad Villella. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Now, you right, typically, but... not only are hmm. you not a fan of horror movies, but you seem to not be a fan of anthology films either. So let's True. let's hear your thoughts first. What did you think of South Bend?
1: Uh it was it was close. <laughs> it's close. I enjoyed I enjoyed a couple of things about it. I I found it interesting that normally the issue that I have with anthology films is that I just don't like the films in general, but they seem to be like short yeah. films. You know, like whole right. films. This one to me felt like they were whole films, but we just like took a snippet out of it from separate films and then just put them mm-hmm. all together like with, you know like the first sequence is that's a full-fledged hour and a half yeah. movie but we just took a snippet of like 22 yeah. minutes and put that at the beginning and then we found another one took a snippet of like 24 minutes slotted it in there and just want it and it it's kind of its weakness and its strength at the yeah. same time where in the sense that I was like I I probably would watch a full length version of that and I actually want more because i feel really confused as to what's going on here cuz it just feels like i got dropped in the middle of this mm-hmm, film
0: mm-hmm. and some stuff happens and then i'm dropped into the middle of another film yeah um i actually kind of liked that aspect of it how it just first of all i liked how they were interlocking they 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 really they were connected with each other in various ways I like that more than completely separate, like autonomous segments. But I don't really like it when it's just like one little, like one little thing that you know, like some kind of superficial item that connects them together. Like, oh well, this person, like we're following this person in their story, and then they like, they pass by like a woman on a on a payphone or whatever that that happens in this movie. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really like yeah.
0: that. I like it when it's like a more substantial link. And I felt like they they kind of did that with some some parts of this one.
1: Yeah, some of the some of the transitions were nice and smooth, and other
0: ones were it just it kind of seemed like
1: they didn't know how to transition to the other one. Like I'm thinking like the first one, yeah, where he kind of goes and gets stuck in, you know, the door closes on his hotel room and opens. then it just yeah, it just pans down to the other one opening.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's or like you said, the,
1: the the payphone one. But I did enjoy the I think it was the second one that goes into yeah. the third one. That was like awesome that stuff. was a nice transition because
0: it was almost the same. It was like a continuation almost, like that the character yes, exactly. Like I wasn't sure
1: if we moved yeah, into exactly. a different
0: the... film or if we were still on the because the story. character from that one stays through the next one, and I I liked that. I thought that that was that was a really interesting choice. I like the theme of this this anthology, you know, all of these anthologies have to have some sort of central theme around them. And I like that. This one is just, it all takes place in this, uh, you know, desert area, stretch of highway, which is a great idea because the desert is
1: inherently exactly.
0: And I, I like that, you know, it takes place in some of them take place in the kind of like sleepy one horse towns and, uh, the, the, the gas stations in the middle of nowhere, and the the seedy motel that that has like three people in it, and I, I like that. I like those locales in really any movie, but uh, to have it in this is kind of a, a central theme. I, I I liked that a lot about this. I liked most. I was surprised at. I liked almost all of the segments like in this. Um. The first one, I pretty much did. The too. first one, I was like, "Oh man, I don't know, I don't know about this." Because there were there were parts of it I liked. I liked the the fact that you could see those things floating like off in the desert. I thought that that looked really creepy and and cool. Uh, but the way that yeah. that one ended, I was like, "Oh man, I don't know." But they sort of redeemed themselves by coming back to that at the end. Very much so, because yeah, I thought that the first one was the weakest.
1: Because there just really wasn't much to it. Right, exactly.
0: It, at all. it was it was shorter than the other ones. I think it seemed shorter than the other ones. But the fact that it was almost a bookend, like that, was pretty much the bookend. Yeah, but it was it was slightly humorous in the fact when they just kept driving. I love and that. The guys, just like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was
1: just over and over again. I
0: I He's kind like, of liked how they Almost all of these segments have things in them that are just kind of bizarre and supernatural, but completely unexplained. And <laughs> I I kind of appreciated that. I kind of liked that there was really no explanation as to what was happening here and why these things were happening. Because it's just, that's just what it is sometimes. You're in this creepy, you know, vortex of uh, just... Paranormal shit that's happening in this in this area of the desert, you know, and it's just like random horrible things are happening to these people. That it's like the Bermuda Triangle or something,
1: which it is, yeah. Because if they tried to to explain some of the stuff, I mean, it would have fell, it would have fallen completely apart. Because I don't think you can explain.
0: Nah, they they wouldn't have enough time. But going back to what you said, I feel like almost all of these segments could could easily be. Um, lengthened into like a full feature. I mean, really, all you have to do, like for the for the, um, I guess it's the the second segment with the girls and the band. You know, just develop yeah. develop the characters a little bit more. But see, the interesting thing was there was a lot of backstory that they brought in, like with the girl, uh, the girl that was was killed. I'm guessing. Yeah, um, like you don't know. Like they bring her up, but I don't really understand what. Like what
1: happened to right, her? Right, but they didn't
0: see. I I, <laughs> I, I like the fact that they didn't waste. They didn't like shoehorn in this exposition with like two of the characters talking about it. You know what I mean? Because it would have felt unnatural or would have felt ham-fisted. And they just they left yeah. it. They left it as it was. And to me, that felt more more natural and and more realistic. And I appreciated that more. But if they did make that into a. a a feature length movie they would have time to either show what happened to that girl or you know have them mourning over it for a longer period yeah. of time
1: now the only thing that kind of was slightly disappointing with some of these stories is a lot of them kind of deal with well I shouldn't say a lot of them but a number of them kind of deal with the tried and true like that one I'm thinking like okay creepy call all right I've seen this numerous times already I mean, it's not—it's not a terrible version nah, of that storyline. Yeah, but I
0: liked—I liked that one, but it was still just a little bit. Well, and they all—they all have a a morality to them. They're all pretty much morality tales. All of the—all of the people in this that have bad things happen to them did something. Yeah, possibly did something. In the case of the—I don't know—the girls, the—the the rock band one. That one. See, that's the thing, though. Like, you know. If you're comparing this to something like Tales from the Crypt, in Tales from the Crypt, the people that had bad things happen to them always did something that was, like, pretty bad. Like, they were pretty bad people. But in this one, it's like, man, they did, yes, maybe they did something that wasn't great. Like the like the guy that hit the girl. Yes, he shouldn't have been, you know, having his earbuds in while he was on the phone and looking down, scrolling through stuff on his phone pictures on his phone while he was driving shouldn't do that but no everything that happened after that like he did all the right things you know what i mean and and that happened more than once in this movie where it's like they they called the police they tried to get help they they you know they did everything that they should do and i feel like he went and i guess maybe that's why he This is a minor spoiler i guess but why he kind of made it through yeah but there is there seems to be like you know all of them have kind of a morality hook to them, much like Tales from the Crypt.
1: Now, the question I do, because this is now two anthology films, seen, but, like, does is that all Dana Gold's allowed to do now? Yeah, I wondered
0: that. Because, yeah, like, that's all I see him in nowadays. Maybe it was the same, was it the same directors, maybe, that did? Might have done. I'm not sure. Because I don't know who did which segments in this. But, yeah, maybe, maybe they did it was the same people or something but what was your favorite segment
1: See, um i think of all of them uh it might be the the guy driving hmm. with the accident the bleed over one because that one was a bit different yeah because like you have the home invasion one at the end where it's like we're wearing masks and it's like yeah masks are creepy we get a home invasion i've seen this before and then you know oh, like they called
0: the one. Oh, that, yeah, that was the other thing. They never explained what that was all about, like why they did that. You yeah, know, you sad. know that that guy must have done something bad with that girl, but you don't know. You never know what it was. And norm, I mean, normally I might have an issue with that in a movie, but for some reason it none. Of, like it's I actually good. found it more uh, engaging in this movie. Like it just made me draw up all these conclusions as to what these things could mean or what happened the backstories yeah yeah
1: i guess that would be my favorite
0: and i did like how the first one ended where he was kind of like chasing around that that room
1: mm-hmm. forever
0: yeah uh i think my favorite was probably the second one maybe the cult one because i always like yeah. i always like creepy people and i thought that those twins that like had yeah. synchronized movements <laughs> i thought that they were uh Pretty, cr- they were, pretty creepy. They were creepy. They were extremely creepy. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe that was. But I actually liked pretty much all of them. Like I said, the first one I was not too into, but then I f- feel like they redeemed themselves by coming back to it at the end. Um yeah. the, You know, the the effects work on on those creatures was not great. Like the CG was not very good. No. But I did. I was going to bring that up next. I, I did like. Um, I thought it looked cool when like the ground was breaking underneath of them as they were driving. I thought that looked cool, but the uh, the actual cre- yeah. the creature work on that was uh, not great.
1: No, the creature work was much better when it was from a distance. Yeah, cause
0: it, I thought it looked really cool when they were just kind of suspended in the air and they weren't moving; they're were just hanging there. Yeah, and, it'll, and
1: you're just like, "What the fuck!" But then when you got kind of up close to them, it was like, oh, they're just—it's bad CG. That's what
0: it is." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of lost lost some of its luster. It did. It, when you see it up close. It did. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like they could have used some uh, practical effects there with those creatures. Because they weren't like, cr- you know, crazy design, like you wouldn't be able to make that practically. Yeah. When they were coming up from the ground, I get that. Like, th- that would be hard to do.
1: No, nah, they should have been able to just tear the ground <laughs> apart.
0: Uh you <laughs> utilize your budget better. <laughs> She've been blowing up the ground. Come on. Kid. Overall, I was uh, pretty surprised at at how much I enjoyed Southbound. I I got to say I I was too. I was fully expecting to just
1: absolutely loathe loathe this like I usually do with these types of films. Yeah. Cuz I do not have a good uh the track record with these. It's not good with me. I mostly sit there thinking, God, when is this going to be over?
0: <laughs> well, I think that they, I yeah, I think that, really I think that they did this one one right. I I liked uh, was the last one, Tales of Halloween. I liked that one, but uh, comparing the two, this one is way, way better, way better. So I would agree. It's just more, it's tighter. It feels tighter. It's more concise. Like there's Definitely. there's a much clearer voice. The the look, like visually. Uh, across the board, it looks the same. You know what I mean by that, like.
1: Which it is, yeah.
0: It is kind of interesting in the sense that it does feel like one movie.
1: Yeah. where you know you have all these directors, but they're kind of doing the same look.
0: Yeah, it has a very consistent like tone to it, and uh, I, I like that. And I think that that's you know probably something that's kind of tricky to do when you have so many people creating these stories and trying to. Inter- interweave them with one another. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I would recommend checking out Southbound. It's on VOD right now, playing in select cities. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Uh, Kevin, what are you going to give Southbound? I'm going to give Southbound a six. I'm going to give Southbound a, I'll say seven on this one. All yeah, right. I'm going to throw out a okay. seven. Oh boy. Yeah, yeah surprised. Uh, Watch out. Let's move on to our next film. We're talking about <laughs> Nina Forever. I have a synopsis here. After his girlfriend... Oh, hold on. I have to pull up the whole... It's one of the big ones. It's one of the longer, longer ones here. Oh, After his girlfriend Nina dies in a car crash, Rob unsuccessfully attempts suicide. As he begins to overcome his grief, he falls in love with a coworker, Holly. Their relationship is complicated when Nina, unable to find rest in the afterlife, comes back to, to life to sarcastically torment them whenever they have sex. <laughs> Uh this is directed by Bl- Ben and Chris Blaine and an ad just showed up over top of the information, so I can't see. Oh, what's the ad for? A Vikings? Ooh. <laughs> on on the History Channel. The stars uh hold on. Uh Fiona O Shunsey Chauncey? Shaughnessy. Shaun- Shauna- Fiona, Shauna- Fiona O'Shaughnessy. Abigail Hardingham. And uh seeing Barry? <laughs> I like I like that twin that slight twinge
1: of just quizzical like I I don't know. Am I right? Am I, I don't close? Know, I'm sorry.
0: It's like you were waiting to hear like a buzzer. I'm just the worst. <laughs> Alright. I'll start this one off. So I've seen over the last year I've seen probably four Three or four movies that have this a very similar um very similar subject matter where a girlfriend's coming back. Girlfriend dies and she's come back from the dead. There was that Joe Dante one. Uh can't even remember. The one with um Anton Yelkin, I think. What was the name? I can't uh, yeah. even remember the, what's that called? I can't even remember the name of that one. Um Burying the Axe or something like that.
1: Yeah. I figured it's something like
0: that. Uh, Then there was another one that I saw at a festival last year called Clinger, which was the exact same. And then there uh, was—I feel like there was another one in there somewhere. It's just—I feel like there have been a lot of movies like this. Uh, Wasn't there the one with the Audrey? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, Life After Beth. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Same exact thing. This one's different in that she just shows up when they have sex. So that it sounds like that that it's not that different, but it actually is in this because she, it's not like she's just hanging around all the time. She just, she appears, she like rises up through the bed and I like the, uh, when it when it first happens, the first time it happens, I liked the how they did it, I, how the bed just gets stained with blood, and then they have to like buy packs of sheets, which is which was kind of funny. The thing that every
1: every time that she comes, she's still she's in the state in which she left. Yeah, you know, she's completely broken, and she has glass stuck in her face yeah. and in her throat, and she's bleeding all over the place. And when she comes back. That blood
0: is everywhere.
1: And even when she leaves. The oh, blood that. stays. The blood doesn't <laughs> go stays. with it.
0: They have to clean up everything. Yeah, which is which is actually kind of a funny, almost like through line throughout the whole movie. Is every time she comes, like most of this movie is them cleaning. <laughs> because she just bleeds everywhere. Which is, you do think that, like after a while, because there's a, a funny little
1: bit when they finally show the sheets again. And they finally decide to go with red sheets. Yeah. And it's like, man, it took you guys a long time to figure out that you should switch from white sheets. Right. But like, you just kept buying a shit ton of white sheets. And sheets aren't they're not cheap. I mean I Decent you ones. gotta wonder what the I wonder what the budget was after a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? Most of your expenses are going to sheets. Yep. Yep. I was just cleaning up all
0: that blood. Like how do you have time to do that, really? You would have to like call off work all the time. Well and then and then eventually she just starts showing up. And this is kind of something that actually bothered me about the movie is that it kind of breaks its own rules in that she just starts showing up randomly like they're they're not having sex. And then she'll just and then she just starts showing up not even around um, Rob. She starts showing up with with uh, Holly and she's like in the bathtub and then she shows up some other places. And at that point. It's the the movie actually started losing me because of that. I'm like, okay, well, you just broke your own rules. Like, what's going on here? Well, it was, yeah, because it kind of lost me there
1: too. And mostly just because the storyline seemed to just come to a grinding halt. Yeah. Like, it just started, I mean, just trickling along. It just seemed like they ran out of steam, but they just kept going for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, when she first started showing up towards the end at uh, was it, Fiona. Is that her name? Or Holly. Holly. Yeah. Holly's. Yeah. She starts, it starts showing up, at, you know, around Holly. At first, it was kind of funny, interesting. You know, she's just showing up, just sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. And then one, that one time when they're just watching TV late at night, it's just the two of mm-hmm. them. But yeah, it just, it kind of went nowhere after a while. And I, I liked what they were trying to explore with this. It was, I, I must say that I was kind of surprised and a little let down that, they didn't really use this as an opportunity to really, it's not really a horror film or anything. No, not really. the The first time she shows up, it's like, Oh my God, it's kind of disgusting, but it's more of a relationship drama, which they, they focus a lot of time on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, with the, with her parents and everything.
0: Yeah. I just, it seems like
1: a really interesting idea that just didn't quite come together.
0: Yeah. That's kind of how I look at it too. There were, there were a couple interesting angles that they, Started to take, like, especially with the relationship between Rob and Nina's mom, like, there was some kind of weird, they they had a really weird relationship. I felt like Rob, in general, had a strange relationship with Nina's parents. Like, he was, it seemed like he was way too close to them. And, um, which, which I thought was kind of an interesting dynamic. And then at first, I was like, oh, this is actually really, this, this is really kind of fascinating in that. She was like Holly was trying to get over it. You know, she really liked Rob. They really liked each other, and she was trying to accept that this is just how it's going to (laughs) be. Like she, she and they were trying to figure out ways to do it and how to
1: root and everything. But it seems like you know he was just he gave the impression that he wanted to work through it, but at the same time he seemed to be kind of perpetuating it because he wouldn't let it go. You know, every Sunday going over to. Mm Her, her parents house seems a bit much like I can understand. Cause that would be like a kind of a tricky situation whether to stay in touch yeah, with the family or not. Right. But I don't know about every Sunday.
0: That's what I mean. I he was know, like so close to And they, and they explore that a little further or late, later on when, and I thought that they were going to do something really interesting. Cause there's a scene where he goes to dinner with them. And what happens, I thought, it went a different way, but there's a scene where they show like the blood, uh, s- like staining on the white sheets. And I thought that that was the tablecloth at, at the, at the restaurant that they were at. And I was like, Oh man, she's going to show up at the restaurant while they're eating dinner. But it didn't go that, that way.
1: Been, that would have been spectacular. Yeah. That's a, yeah. It didn't happen though. No. I mean, I I thought that the way, the way they handled that relationship, I thought was quite good, especially that scene. Um, with the father kind of letting him have it. Yeah. I thought that was handled quite well, but I don't, the, the whole Nina storyline, it's, I, again, it just felt like it lost steam. Yeah. And they just kind of forgot about it. And they're just like, well, we'll have her show up at the house a couple of times here and there.
0: Well, and I don't really understand. And I can't really say much about what happens because it's, it would be a spoiler, but I don't really understand what, happens there at the end like I I don't I don't get it I just don't get it I don't know if I missed something but I don't know if I don't know if you know what I'm talking about but sort of the 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 realization that you have at the end about Nina and Rob goes to see her (laughs) I think that I legitimately missed something well you know it seems like as though and
1: kind of like Nina points out, too, is that she's under Holly's skin now, and it's more of Holly being obsessed with her, and Rob has kind of moved on. But I, I don't know. Like, if, if Rob ends up getting another girlfriend, is she going to show up during yeah, that
0: just... space and time, or or she is she with Holly now? That's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I don't really understand the rules of, <laughs> of how this works, because it, it doesn't seem like they want to obey their own rules. No. And, yeah, it kind of it it, it kinda of falls apart towards the end.
1: I mean it goes down some interesting roads, but ultimately.
0: I will say that out of these type of my boyfriend's back style movies, uh this one I found this one to be one of the most interesting. I liked it more I'd say I probably liked it more than all of the ones that i previously mentioned. Because truthfully I didn't like any of those other ones. <laughs> I thought that they were all pretty pretty bad. Uh Life After Beth maybe being the best one, but I still didn't even like that.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's I think it works interestingly enough as with, you know, the whole romance angle of how he's trying to move on and she just keeps appearing and they have to deal with her. And instead of dealing, you know, with the memory of her, you actually have to see her. Yeah when you're trying to be intimate with each
0: other. But
1: that only lasts for so long.
0: Right. And they I like the idea that there was this there was one one sequence where they were like, okay, we need to forget about her. We need to, you know, move on and then that'll make her go away. And so they, you know, get rid of everything in the house and they try to remove every every memory of her, but and and it seems like it works, but it doesn't Doesn't work. Nope. doesn't work. Mm. But overall, I was uh, it was a little, it was a little meh on this one in the end. Same here. It started off really strong though. It did. It definitely did.
1: So that's what I'm thinking. You know,
0: I didn't think Rob was head a head particularly interesting character either. He was, he was just a little. His personality was just a little flat. Like there wasn't, there wasn't much going on with there, Rob. wasn't. There were there was so many times that. where like they they would be doing there'd be one of the sequences where Nina would show up and he would just like lay there. He would just kind of lay there and just stare off into nothingness. And it was like why yeah. are you not reacting or talking or just doing something? And he would just be like kind of laying there just staring. <laughs>
1: yeah, he was kind of A lot
0: of times it just seemed like he had no personality whatsoever. And
1: it was a bit bizarre that uh, Holly was so insistent on being dark. that just seems like an odd personality choice. Yeah. And the way they kind of framed it, where her the boyfriend before Rob is kind of like, oh, you're just not, I forget what he says.
0: So she, he was like, she was too plain or something. Yeah, she was too vanilla. Yeah, that's it. She's too
1: vanilla. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to be dark. And I guess dark consists of spilling wine on the floor. Yeah. I guess that's dark. She's edgy.
0: I guess that's edge. I don't know. And she puts the makeup on all around oh, yeah, her eyes. All right. There you
1: go. That'll do
0: it. Complete transformation right there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Not much else to say about this one. Yeah. I'd say if you if you haven't seen all those other ones and aren't completely done Looking for a place a, to start. A
1: good place to start. Yeah.
0: It's uh. Give it a give it a light recommend. Uh. There's some interesting sex scenes in it there's uh we have another thing to add to the the, the terrifying job, yeah
1: you can add another one to the list uh which again rob what the fuck dude yeah like he freaks out after a while but that should have happened like instantly. immediately like if a corpse shows up i'm you gotta put your penis wet. yeah like as soon as the corpse shows up put your penis wet. Just, that's just weird it's just, a, just a safety precaution more than anything but yeah how is that not just, like, that should be instinct, you would think. That like, oh shit, there's a corpse, let me put my penis away.
0: Yeah, I think my my instant reaction would be, A, put the, pe- the, pants a, put the penis away, <laughs> and then B, immediately run either out of the room or at least into the corner of the room and cower. You know, like how you see in some movies where people are just, they just cower in the corner of the room? Yeah, that might be what I do. The plan- with the blanket,
1: just kind of, just the eyes. Just enough above the and I'd probably
0: be going what the fuck what the fuck oh what the fuck
1: that's probably what I'd <laughs> say I'd probably do a lot of that that's exactly what I would do but the first thing yeah like you said I'd be, get the pants on yeah get the pants immediately on. you don't you have no idea what the intentions are and if the pants the corpse, are
0: no, predictable if the pants are nowhere to be found you know if they got thrown across the room you gotta, you, you gotta get you gotta cup it and then get yourself away you know. Get 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 the crotch out of the situation
1: as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, that just seems you know I don't know. It seems Come like a no brainer. Good thing,
0: but uh-huh. just I like,
1: think you know it starts and rocks Just like ah, I guess I'll see where this goes. <laughs> and then, you know, like a minute or two, he's like, "Ah, shit this oh, is disgusting."
0: Instant regret. <laughs> uh... <laughs> let's let's see if
1: the situation just. Let's ride this out see what happens.
0: Yeah. Uh. It 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 also goes to some interesting place because I don't know if this would be like considered necrophilia. I think there might be some necrophilia happening here in this movie. I would say, um,
1: yes. So technically so speaking, there's that
0: that's going on with it. Yeah, like the weirdest threesome you've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, lots of blood, bloody, there's bloody, blood very bloody threesome happening gallons gallons of blood so much blood <laughs> it's, it's it's ridiculous yeah yeah it's an, definitely an interesting concept for a movie though uh definitely i'll definitely give it that it it definitely gets points for being <laughs> unique yeah and i mean you gotta give it to him the, the execution of it for the most part
1: is pretty impressive yeah <laughs> you know considering what we're dealing with
0: here although i think that there was sort of a. Uh... Sort of a wasted opportunity in the the scene in the in the cemetery. I was fully expecting her to come up from the ground, and they didn't have her do that. She just
1: that's that's what they wanted. To yeah,
0: like. I guess they, they subverted our expectations of that. All right, uh, so that's Nina Forever. I'll I'll give it a I'll say like a light recommend on that. And score wise, I will say uh, I'm sitting somewhere between like a five and a half and a six on this one. Okay. Oh. that's kind of what I'm thinking too yeah like somewhere somewhere in between a 5.5 and, and a 6 like it's it does lose steam at at one point I think probably around the time that they go on their little trip on their little vacation I feel like it, it really just kind of grinds to a halt and I don't feel like it fully recovers from that but yeah. it starts off really strong so Light Recommend that's Nina Forever it's uh, playing in I think it's in It is in theaters now, I believe, and it's also on uh, VOD. You can check that out. There, let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on our watch list. Uh, I'll start off with Deadpool. It's the big one. The big daddy. (laughs) So, I liked Deadpool. I didn't love Deadpool. Didn't love it. Uh, I don't really understand. This is getting a lot of praise, and I don't quite understand why... Uh, people were loving it so much well it's it's interesting because
1: like, what i'm seeing is everyone either absolutely hating it or just kind of being mad about it but and it, like it has like i'm also hearing that people are loving it but i haven't really seen that i haven't seen evidence of
0: people loving it i've uh, like on my facebook uh, a lot of people are saying that that they are are loving it i'm I'm still in the Florida Film Critics Circle, and everybody there's been hyping it up, saying that they they're just uh, loving it. I mean, it has like an eighty something on Rotten Tomatoes, um, eighty four currently, so it's it's doing very well. I mean, it, it's it's crushing it at the box office. Uh, so my thoughts: Deadpool. I wanted more action out of it. It is an origin story, and there's like maybe two or three action sequences in it. One of which you see in the trailer almost in its entirety. And so I just wanted more, I wanted more action because I did like the action in it. I just felt like there wasn't enough of that. Uh, the jokes, most of, most of them did not land for me. I thought a lot of the, the dick, like the dick jokes and stuff and just the, the, the kind of dirty, vulgar jokes, uh, just for vulgarity's sake didn't find them really funny i mean i don't mind uh vulgar jokes or references or whatever um but i just didn't think that these were that funny although i will say that the and this is also in the trailer when uh i think it's uh, what's his name tj miller when he when he first sees deadpool after the um after he gets his face messed up. <laughs> he goes, "You, you look like an avocado had sex with an older avocado," <laughs> and I just thought that was that was funny. But avocado jokes, yeah, yep. Yeah. So there, there was there was some some bits of uh, that that worked for me. There is one scene where he checks the time and he has an Adventure Time watch, and uh, that nice. that made me chuckle. There's a lot of fourth wall breaking in this, uh, which. Wouldn't be Deadpool without some fourth wall breaking, and some of it, some of it works. Some of it feels very lazy. Um, like there's some, some of it is kind of just like exposition where he's t- talking directly to the camera and telling us backstory and stuff. I felt like that stuff didn't really, didn't really land because it did feel lazy. Uh, the other things, mm-hmm. the, there, there's other smaller things that he does. Like there's a there's a scene where Colossus from the X Men. Uh, grabs him and says, "I'm gonna take you back to uh Xavier," and he and he says, "James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart," and then there are several references to Ryan Reynolds in it. Um, you know, one is okay. Two, when it starts to get like two or three references to Ryan Reynolds, that gets to be a little bit, a little bit too much there. Uh, there's several references to Green Lantern in it being shitty, which I, I definitely appreciated that and lots of little lots of little throwaway gags and one-liners and just visual references and things. There's there's one funny bit where cuz you know this is a pretty low budget movie, you know, they didn't want to put a lot of money into this cuz they knew it was going to be rated R and it was kind of a fan film from the beginning. Uh but there are several there's a couple scenes that take place at the um you know the 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 mansion. They're, the only two X-Men in this are Colossus and then that girl her name is um it's she's got the dumbest name. It's uh Oh, it's like
1: Negasonic
0: Teenage Warhead, yeah. Negasonic yeah. Teenage Warhead. Uh they're the only two X-Men characters in this, and there's there's a, at one point, uh it's like the second time Deadpool goes there. He's like, Man, this, this mansion is huge. He's like, I can't believe that uh, you two are the only ones that I'm seeing here. It's almost like we didn't have a budget for more X-Men. <laughs> and so there's like little, you know, just little things like that that I appreciated. Although I do I understand how some people watching that would be like, oh, "Come on. Like it's it's just perpetuating the thing that it that it is, you know, a low budget. It's making yeah. fun of it, but that doesn't necessarily excuse it for some people. But for me for me it was it was fine. Like the the violence No, well it seems like if you go like a, a little bit of that
1: like smattering of those types of jokes and stuff and pointing that kind of that kind of stuff out i think it's humorous but if you do a lot of it it just seems like uh, this is what we're gonna
0: do instead of right right actually crafting a story and i and i can see i can see both sides of it because this is it is the character of deadpool that's what he does he's nonstop. he's just nonstop jokes like that's how the character has always been and i get that some people like that some people find that to be amusing or an endearing quality with this character. And I also get how some people uh, find that to be extremely tiring and, you know, kind of just cheap. But for the most part, I enjoyed the movie. I am more interested in a sequel because I felt like all of the origin bits really slowed the, the, the pace down for me. And I, wasn't interested in the origin. I just wanted Deadpool, you know, getting shot and getting hurt because that's what he does. And, you know, kicking a lot of ass. And there's a decent amount of that, just not quite enough for me. Um, but, you know, I'd still recommend checking it out. It's it's still uh still entertaining. So Deadpool in theaters now. Ooh. Um
1: I watched a this was a potential for future reference. Didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. Kind of missed the cut, but I watched one called Granny's Dancing on the Table from last year, directed by Hannah Skold. And uh, it, it sounded very interesting. It's a coming of age type story, but like a slight twist to it where it's taking place on the woods and this remote area where she, this young girl lives with her father. And you're not 100% sure what is exactly going on. Um, one of the most interesting things about it is you have the one narrative, and it's split across two different visual styles. So you have the present happening in live action. And it's quiet. There's not much dialogue. Um, it has a menacing quality to it. Um, there's mystery, because you're not exactly sure what the hell is going on. And you're just, it's kind of foreboding. You just, you expect bad things to happen. It just it's creepy. Um and then the past is presented in stop motion animation. So anytime she starts to reminisce about the past or to give you some background information of how they got to where they are and everything, that's all in like crude claymation type stop motion animation, right? So everything's good and well, you have the mystery and everything, and you're just waiting and waiting, and it's drawing it out and it's got this slow burn quality to it. But after a while, what happens is is the stop motion ends up being pretty damn interesting. Mm -hmm. And the live action stuff, after a while, just nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Like, they add nothing to the live action after a while. Until towards the very, very end where it's kind of like this, I don't know where this, like, fantasy element comes in. And kind of, you know, spruces things up. But at that point in time, it's a little bit, you know, too little, too late. And it just, after a while, it just becomes stagnant. Nothing really happens. And the the coming-of-age portion of it is just, there's really not much to it. It was kind of disappointing. It was interesting in the beginning, and it just became a disappointment.
0: Wow, oh, that sucks. And that's uh, Granny's Dancing on the Table.
1: I mean, you got that title. <laughs> it's, it's an experimental film, or at least its billed as one. You know, you have the live action mixed with the, the claymation. I'm thinking, oh man, I'm going to be seeing something different here. And to a certain extent, you are, but at the same time, it's, it just really amounts to not saying much. Mm,
0: that's unfortunate. Yeah. I saw Incident at Loch Ness from 2004, directed by Zach Penn. This is a, it's a mockumentary about Werner Herzog <laughs> <laughs> making a documentary about the Loch Ness monster. And <laughs> what he aims to do is kind of just look at the the type of people that, you know, want to believe in these types of things and he wants to, you know, break it down into like the emotional milieu of of what causes this and stuff and he doesn't believe that this monster is real by any means. He he is sure that it's not real but he, he wants to explore the, the kind of human side of it and, and delve into the personalities of the people that believe in these sorts of things. Uh, yeah. So the movie starts off, let me just let me throw this out to you, and this, this should be enough to make you <laughs> actually want to see it. It starts off with a dinner party hosted by Werner Herzog. The guests in attendance include Crispin Glover, Jeff Goldblum, yes. And Ricky J, the magician. <laughs> I mean, talk about a dinner party! Now I know that a couple weeks ago we were talking about how we would never want to go to a dinner party. They sound awful. Would, that is a dinner party, dinner party I will go to. Yes, I would definitely go to that dinner party. And without a doubt. And and Werner Herzog is cooking. He's he's the one that cooked dinner for everybody. Come on, amazing! There's also a scene where he's preparing to go you know to to the lock on his trip and he's packing and he realizes that he's out of razors so he goes to Rite Aid to, to buy refills <laughs> for his razor so it's like this whole scene of Werner Herzog picking out razors at Rite Aid yes yeah, and it's it sounds like such a bizarre movie yeah. uh but it is it is a mock it's a mockumentary but everybody plays themselves so everybody in it plays themselves and it, it kind of, it's about them making this documentary, but, uh, Zach Penn, who is playing the producer of the documentary, he starts getting notes from, you know, the studio and they're saying, okay, we've got to, we got we to gotta spice it up. We've got to jazz it up. So he hires, uh, Katana Baker, who is, uh, she's an actress, but she's more known as a playboy model. He hires her to be the sonar operator, and she she knows nothing about sonar, so she's completely useless and as soon as Werner sees her, he's like, "What is going on here and it's just it's ridiculous it's it definitely shows its age, and you know this came out in two thousand four kind of before before the whole found footage you know resurgence of that came about so yeah. it, when you watch it now it it may seem a little tired, but you just have to remember that this came out before all of that was uh, was in, in vogue again. Yeah. And they actually do, there's several things that they do in this that I that I really appreciate. Like one thing that always bothers me about these mockumentaries and found footage movies is is sound. And how they justify, you know, being able to hear somebody that's in another room or far away or whatever. And there's like no mic packs that can be seen. And it's like there's no way a boom mic would pick that up. They kind of uh, always account for that in this, which I always, I definitely appreciate. But uh, it's a fun, it's a pretty fun movie. The cover makes it look like it's some kind of horror movie or something, but it's really not. It's just a ridiculous comedy. But yeah, I recommend checking it out. Incident at Loch Ness. If you're a fan of that, Werner Herzog, it's, sounds, it's <laughs> you should definitely see it.
1: It sounds so bizarre.
0: It is. It is that's bizarre. That not like a cult smash. I know. I think it will be. I think at some point it's... I, it's just... I don't know. It just sounds amazing. Yeah. It's really... Like, why, how does that it's, exist? It's a really weird movie that I don't know how it exists or why it exists, but it does, and I'm thankful because I, I had a lot of fun watching
1: uh, it. Uh, another one that I watched here, this was a, a potential unsung indie that didn't quite work out either. It was just... Things just quite weren't working out this week for some reason.
0: Hmm. Um, I watched Menthol from Michael Van Hove. Full disclosure: I supported this on Kickstarter.
1: Okay, um, it's it's a hell of a debut. Um, there's a lot of it. There's a lot in it that I like. I mean, the opening to this movie is 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 quite something. Uh, it's a handheld cinematography where a guy is tripping on a shit ton of acid. And the performance that he gets from this guy, it just, it feels like he's really tripping because he just starts assaulting furniture and walls. And it just, he is beating the shit out of his body as he's pounding tables and freaking out. Um, he takes all of his clothes off and the police come and he starts wrestling them. And it's just, it's insane. Like it is, it's a quite a hell of a way to start off a film because you just, at this point in time you have no idea what's going on what this movie's going to be about and then from there on it's these four four guys like 20 somethings that are getting back together and they're kind of hanging out for the day and it's just mostly them just hanging out and doing stupid shit and the the his direction his, he also does the cinematography it's quite good he takes a lot of very very small scenes but he makes them visually interesting just by his camera movements and the framing and the color palette that he uses. Um, But again, it's, so I'm completely pretty much in love with this movie up until a certain point. And that's where it has one of those scenes kind of like moonwalkers, but there's just a very small scene where the one guy has his head up against the car window and they're driving. And he just, something happens that he gets upset and reaches over to punch a guy. And he goes, you nigger, and punches him. And then cut, next scene. And it's just one of those things. Like, why? Why? Ooh. Everything was going so well. Like, why did we need that? It's such a small scene. It adds nothing. It adds nothing to his character. It's just completely pointless. And it just like it, like all the wind just came out of the sails. Like it's just like I got punched in the gut. Mm-hmm. And it's just like oh. And I mean, it kind of redeems itself a little bit towards the end, where um, something kind of ends up happening and changes the entire fabric of the film and the way that they he, again the way that he handles it the lighting the cinematography of this is spectacular um, but like the actual storyline itself is it's eh, but the execution of it's great it's just that one tiny little scene just I can't get over it I can't move past it that sucks and that's the thing that I'm like we, you know why would you keep that in there because
0: that's all I can focus on. I haven't seen this. I uh, <laughs> I backed it on Kickstarter, but I did not see it. I, it's, it and that's that's what it comes down
1: to, is if that scene's not there, I highly recommend this film. I think it's great. But with that scene being in there, it's like an all good conscience. I don't, I, you know what I mean? I don't know if I can really yeah. support it and say, yeah, I definitely recommend this. You just have to get over the fact that, you know, a bunch of white guys. Just think that it's cool to call someone the
0: N word and you know, just forget about yeah. it. Well, that's menthol. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> Again, that's what I'm saying. It's just the it, everything was unfortunate this week, as you'll see.
0: <laughs> I saw uh Among Friends, which is a it's a horror film, it's a horror comedy from twenty twelve. This is directed by Danielle Harris, who many of you may know is she, she's sort of a scream queen. She's been in the uh, she started her career in the I think Halloween 4, I think Halloween 4, cuz 3 was Season of the Witch, that was the one that didn't even have Michael Myers, but I think she she was in uh a lot of the Halloween movies from then. She was in the the uh Rob Zombie remakes as well. This is uh, her directorial debut, I believe. Uh kind of about it so it's about it. It's a dinner party. It's about a dinner party actually where a bunch of friends get together and it turns out that one of their friends is sort of she has kind of ulterior motives and what she does is she poisons them with something that makes them numb from the waist down so they can't they're like paralyzed from the waist down i don't know what kind of poison you could give somebody to do that where it like specifically targets waist down like i'm not sure that something like that exists but we'll go with it why not um and then she kind of reveals that she has she does a lot of these dinner parties I guess with her friends and she had cameras installed all throughout her house like security cameras and she ended up getting all of this footage of them doing horrible things and she kind of makes them watch the fact that they did these horrible things and then she kind of tortures them like she scalps the one guy and she, uh, one of the guys gets his balls cut off and it's uh, it's sort of an interesting idea. The ending was pretty pretty bad like it just it had this kind of strange abrupt ending that uh, didn't really feel earned and it just wasn't uh, I don't know it wasn't great I didn't like it actually it has this it takes place now and but the party that she was having was 80s themed so everybody has kind of this 80s garb on but uh, it just eh, fell flat for me there wasn't a whole lot here that was very memorable or, or notable or different in any way Uh, there was a lot of weird um, like the one girl is she she's like high so there's these fantasy scenes that she's having not fantasies but like hallucinations so they do that quite a bit and it just eh, didn't really work for me didn't didn't land but Uh, I like Danielle Harris I met her a couple times she's really nice and uh, I mean I hope she continues to make movies Uh, it's not like, it's really poorly directed or anything. It's just the movie itself's not great. Mm. So, A.J. Bowen's in it, though.
1: You gotta get that A.J. Bowen in yeah. uh, I have a movie that is badly directed, and that's Bahraini's 99 Homes. Oh, boy. I haven't seen this yet, so... <laughs> don't. Okay. Don't All see right. it. Just don't. Just pass it. Um, you know, housing market goodness with Garfield and garfield michael shannon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean the only really positive about this is you do get some decent acting from garfield and shannon uh unfortunately like garfield's character is there's not a lot to him but he does what he can with what he's got to work with and michael shannon's just mostly you know just standard michael shannon just super intense michael shannon you know what you've come to expect from him uh it's interesting in the fact that uh 70% of this film seems to be once Garfield gets the job working for Michael Shannon and he's forced to evict people after he himself has been evicted. It's a like this long, overly long montage of just him evicting people. Just him going and it's and it plays out the same way almost every time he doesn't really want to do it. He's kind of stammering while he's speaking to these people and he just feels uncomfortable. And of course the people that he's evicting say the same things just about, well, there's like two different types of people that he's evicting. One is the person that's like, what, what, why am I getting evicted? No, I'm ta- I've talked to my lawyer. This is a misunderstanding. Da, 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 da. And you're supposed to feel bad for him. And the other one is just like, they're, they're an asshole to him. Like uh, you can go to hell. You're an asshole why are you doing this to me? And I just love the fact that they put all of it on this one person. That's just like, his job is just to go and be like, Hey, the bank owns your house. Now you need to leave. Like that's his job. Like he's not that happy about that job, but someone has to do that job. It's not like he's the one personally evicting you from your house and stole your house from you. So it, and it's as if by trying to make these people sympathetic, like you're supposed to feel bad for these people, but in all honesty, he's not doing a good job of it because, like, Garfield's character just seems like a complete idiot. Like, he's just stupid. He's just a stupid person It makes stupid decisions. And these people haven't been paying for the house. And guess what? You took money. And, like, even Michael Shannon points out a number of times you took money out and you didn't pay it back. So they're repossessing your house. Like, this is how it works. You can't just have it, it's not yours. So, At a certain point in time, it's almost as if Barani realizes, like, oh, damn it. Like, these guys aren't sympathetic. Like, this is just how things work. Um, We'll just add something. And then they just throw in this plot contrivance that just completely turns everything upside down. and makes all, you know, everyone on Shannon's side of things, like, absolutely evil, terrible people. And now Garfield gets to redeem himself. And it's just like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Mm This is ridiculous. Like, Garfield has an out. Like, he loses the home, and all he wants to do is get the home back because it's his family home, which I don't understand why people get so attached to their houses. But he has an out where his mom, who's played by Laura Dern, is like, we can go to your uncle's place. He said, we can go to Tampa, and we can live there. And he's like, no, I don't want to take my kid out of school. So they go and live in a motel, which he has to take his kid out of school to live in this motel where they're paying you know, for a room, a shit room, instead of living with their uncle. So he takes his kid out. So your main reason for leaving, you're doing anyways. And then he gets the job evicting people and doesn't have the foresight to, okay, this hotel or motel is full of people that have been evicted. I probably won't run into anyone that I'm evicting. (laughs) But of course he does. And that's like a whole big scene. But then the other thing is he starts doing fraud with Michael Shannon. So you're dealing with a sketchy character who's defrauding the government. And he's like, I want you to keep all the money I'm making and I want you to buy my house back. And Michael Shannon's like, okay, I'll keep it and your interest rate will be 12%, which holy shit, that's a really high interest rate. And why the fuck are you dealing with this person that's doing illegal things just to get your goddamn house back? This is how you got into the situation (laughs) that started this whole fucking thing because you make stupid decisions. Who takes a 12% interest rate with a, essentially a loan shark is what you're dealing with here. Like he just keeps making stupid decisions and you're like, wow, this guy's just
0: completely fucking stupid. I don't feel bad for him at all. Why wouldn't he just keep the money it's, it's just, and then get, cause that's what I'm saying. The bank has his house, right? At this point. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he? Mm-hmm. And is Michael Shannon working for the bank? He, kind of. He has like this real realty company that
1: kind of, he works on behalf of the bank. Oh. But the thing is that like, he kind of tries to have, what he's essentially going to do is Michael Shannon's going to buy the house with his money to hold it for Garfield wow. until he has enough money to get it. Yeah. But you're dealing with a guy that has gotten you into some shady shit. Yeah, Defrauding the government. And now you're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to give you all my money that I'm making with you. I'm not no paper trail, nothing. I'm just gonna trust you. And a twelve percent interest rate? Why not? Everything should work out fine. And I'm making enough. No wonder you lost your fucking. Yeah, no wonder you lost your fucking house. Jesus Christ! Ugh.
0: It's a irritating movie. Basically, it's exactly like what happened in real life. I mean, it, it kind I mean, of. That, but it's just like I think it's that a, the, the whole it's a particular version of it. Like I, I think that the whole housing. You know, bubble bursting was is, is. I think that a lot of the fault does lie on you know the banks and the people that were providing these these loans to people who yeah, but it's who a, clearly could but it's not. A but right, it's it's a two way street. Exactly. You know, like we talked about it
1: before. I got approved for like three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars for a home. I can't fucking afford that. There's no way. Just because a bank tells me I can afford it, you just don't trust banks. Why would you trust a bank? Yeah, do the math like who has your interest in mind you like it's simple do a budget money comes in money goes out what can you afford it's not rocket science with a mint mint account it's free yeah
0: manage your budget people
1: it's it's not difficult it's really not
0: difficult okay good well i'm glad you saw it because i was like not i don't know it was like one of the year-end things and i was like ah should i see this but now i know that i don't need to bother
1: oh it's it's awful
0: it kind of just relies on the fact that people kind of inherently hate bankers. Yeah. Without you know, and it just kind of rides on that. Cool. Uh, so that's ninety nine homes. Is that is that out on like Netflix now or something? Yeah,
1: that's that's out on the Netflix. Oh,
0: okay. All right. So that's a that's a skip from Kevin. Uh, I saw one that I, a lot of people love. This one, but I just could not get into it. And that's uh, called it's called Trouble Every Day from two thousand one, directed by Claire Denis.
1: Oh, I I haven't I've been wanting to see this. I
0: think you'd probably like it. I just for me it for some reason it reminded me of um it it sort of reminded me of a Jim Jarmusch movie in a lot of ways like Limits of Control or even um, Only Lovers Left Alive where it's it's like sort of a it's like a sort of a love story but it's also this kind of horror story that is about cannibalism or vampirism. They don't really say but I think it's more like cannibals they eat people uh it stars Vincent Gallo and he's uh he plays, kind of, he plays Vincent Gallo basically just as the old creepy creepy old Vincent, creepy scuzzy Vincent Gallo the guy that hasn't slept for like three weeks uh, it always looks like he hasn't slept yeah he's very like, disheveled he's operating on just pure sleep deprivation <laughs> uh it's, I can't even really tell you exactly what this is about cuz I was so disinterested in it. I didn't didn't pay very close attention to what was happening. Basically, this there's this uh this doctor and his wife has this disease that makes her eat people and Vincent Gallo works for this like pharmaceutical company and he goes to uh Paris to try to meet with this doctor with with his um it's also his honeymoon. But he doesn't seem to really love his wife. Like he can't like there's this this really strange sex scene where things things start getting hot and heavy, but like before they actually engage in sex he has to go to the bathroom and jerk off. And there's a uh, there's an ejaculation scene there where you um it's fake. But uh you definitely see like fake ejaculate uh going onto the bathroom counter of the hotel room that they're staying in, which is always pleasant to see. <laughs> And then, and then huh, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this movie. I just, it wasn't for me. I didn't like it very much at all. Didn't find it particularly entertaining or interesting. A lot of people talk about the, the really, the cinematography in this and how good it is. But to me, it looked really, really dated. It And it came out in 2001, but it looked like a movie that was maybe made in the mid-90s. It looked like a, like a, <laughs> um, like a, maybe a Brian De Palma film or something. It just uh, didn't look great. To me, so there, there just wasn't a whole lot for me to to like about this movie. I thought the performances were pretty bad. It's in like part of it's in English, part of it's in French.
1: It's got Agnes Godard doing the, doing the cinematography.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I probably love it. Yeah, though. a
0: lot of people are praising the cinematography, but I didn't really think it was anything special. Uh, there's also a really bad CG fire scene, which that's a nitpick, uh, but those are always
1: rough. Yeah, there's not. I, the only thing that's worse than CGI fire is CGI blood. It just—it looks really bad the, when it's not the done early
0: right. CG. CG fire looked really, really horrifically bad, uh, and it—it's not good in this. It's not CG. It's more like uh, they like composited it, like you know what I mean. Like it wasn't okay. It was fire, but they like laid it on top of the you, what was you. happening. So it's just—it looks terrible. Uh, So, yeah, Trouble Every Day, can't recommend that one. Uh, But, you know, check out the reviews on Letterboxd because apparently I missed out on something because everybody's loving it.
1: I'm going to say that I'm done.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm also done, so let's go ahead and move on to some predictions. Uh, Last week, Deadpool, you said 77, I said 68, actual 84. How to be Single, you said 42, I said 36, actual 48. And Zoolander 2, you said 20, I said 38, actual... Twenty-three. Uh, so that's a big win for you this week. I think you got all three of those. Next week, yes, we have race. <laughs> I get it. I just got it. It's like race is in a foot race, but also like race is in race. Because of, yeah, yeah. Which is, I think it's a good story
1: to tell. I think it's a really I interesting
0: story to tell.
1: But it's it's just it looks like it's gonna have that BS yep. Hollywood. Veneer to it,
0: which you know. Is there? That's a bummer. Is there like a uh, an ESPN thirty for thirty on this? Because I would much rather watch that. I think there might be actually. Is if there is, I'm totally gonna watch that because just the trailer for this made me interested in learning more about this whole situation. So basically, it's if you're not familiar, it's about Jesse Owens in the what is it, 1938, 36. Thirty-six Olympics, were in Germany, when the uh, the Nazis were in control, mm-hmm. very interesting. But uh, the movie itself, yeah, it doesn't look too good to me. So uh, I'll say like I don't know fifty-eight on this one.
1: I'd say sixty-two.
0: All right, and we have a, at least it's a big one to me, and that's the Witch. I'm the... I'm so excited it's for the it. Witch. Isn't it the double V itch? Yes. It's the double V itch. The VV itch. That sounds like some kind of horrible STD. It does. It sounds terrible. Oh, man. I got the VV itch. (laughs) Watch out, dude. I heard she has the VV itch. Oh, man. I'm excited for this one. But I'm also
1: trying not to get those expectations
0: up too high. I thought that. I, I don't know. I just saw like a banner ad for it or something. And it just like dawned on me like, oh, man. What if this isn't... What if this is just being played up so much and I'm just setting myself up for disappointment with this one?
1: I know. And that's kind of what I'm thinking because it usually feels that way, doesn't it? When it's like... Well, it, you know, it seems like people are trying too hard to get it out there.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, I'm always I'm always apprehensive when that's going on because I'm like, it seems like you're trying entirely too hard yeah. to get me to be into this. I'm reminded
0: of the Babadook because I didn't love that as much as everyone else did. And everyone just... I was... So amped for that movie, and I feel like it was just I was a little let down just because my expectations were so high. Yeah. Uh, what are you thinking on the witch? I think
1: for the most part it'd be. I'm gonna say like seventy, seventy eight.
0: All right. I'm gonna say eighty two on that one. Hope that'll be pretty good. In limited release next week we have Risen. Uh, I think that's a Jesus Christ movie. Is it?
1: Yeah. Yo JC getting some get some screen time. it's
0: uh the first 40 days after the resurrection of jesus christ is told through the eyes of an agnostic roman centurion
1: uh-huh. so joseph finds in it a...
0: yeah cool what um embrace of
1: you know the words but i just want to pop this in real yeah. quick the worst part about these movies is that my area gets all of this
0: <laughs> yeah yeah,
1: <laughs> And they get, like, they fill but up But you won't
0: like, get the witch <laughs>
1: No, I won't, I will not get the witch I'll get Risen I just typed it in, and it's already got showtimes for me
0: Ugh. World works, unfortunately uh, We also have Embrace of the Serpent
1: Oh, thank goodness
0: Are you excited for this
1: I've one? For th- I've been dying for this
0: one. Oh, okay, well, uh, gee, I wish you would have told me that a couple weeks ago when... well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it Um Whoops. What else we got here? Forsaken, Neerja, uh the Great Gilly Hopkins. These are all movies I am not familiar with. Rolling Papers, which is a documentary about uh, the Denver Post, and after they legalized uh, recreational marijuana usage, there they actually created a like a marijuana column in their newspaper, and they had reviewers like marijuana critics and it's just kind of about how that came to be and it's i think that it also gets into the like the parallels between like the newspaper business like the failing newspaper business and then like the the kind of blossoming legal marijuana business looks it looks interesting i'm i'm kind of interested in checking that one out uh we are we are twisted fucking sister which is a Whoa. Yeah, Whoa. twisted sister documentary not not too interested in that. And Snowtime. Snowtime? Yeah. What's that about? Well, looks like it's an animated film.
1: Snowtime. It's
0: really bad. I don't know if it's... Is it foreign, maybe? Foreign animated film?
1: Yeah, it looks French. Yes, yeah, I think Canadian? it's a French one. French-Canadian? Yeah. French-Canadian, or just French?
0: One of the two, but uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anything about that one either, so...
1: It's just about a massive snowball fight. That's all it is.
0: Uh, I guess it could be cool. It's just kids
1: in a village decide to have a massive snowball fight. Sure. <laughs> Why not?
0: Next week on VOD, all I have here is rolling papers. Uh, That's it. Yeah. As the week goes on, check back on our calendar because uh, I will be updating that. Sometimes there's some some late comers. Sometimes I'll get emails about ones that are coming out that week. So you know, check check back on on that one. Blu-ray next week. We have Black Mass. Steve Jobs. Have you seen Black Mass yet? That's mm-hmm. another one that I got a year end screener for, but I did not watch it yet. Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked that one. Uh, let's see. Arrow is releasing The Mutilator from 1985. It's got an awesome cover as usual.
1: That sounds great. Yep.
0: I'm pretty excited for that one. The 33. That's the Chilean Miners uh, one. Not interested. Shouldn't have been a movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> Yep. We're just turning everything
1: into movies now.
0: And that's pretty much it from what I'm seeing. There's a lot of like re-releases and stuff. There's some movie called Criminal Activities with Michael Pitt and John Travolta and Dan Stevens. Okay. I remember seeing a the uh, like cover poster for that before, but I don't really know anything about it. Uh, that's pretty much it. What do we have on the Criterion front?
1: Well, the first one we have, which is fantastic for me, is Oshima's Death by Hanging from 1968. And we're going to have a review for this one up. Yeah, I'm going to have a review up for that one. Pitch Black Satire. This is him kind of uh, delving into or exploring Japanese-Korean relations. And this is... The cartoon It's getting really close to having all the Oshimas, which is fantastic. I love that. Getting so damn close. And then the other one is 1921's Charles Chapman, the kid. (laughs) know, Chucky Chapman, uh, doing the thing, which I saw this, and I remember thoroughly enjoying it, but it's been a long time, I don't remember anything about it.
0: That's not the boxing one, is it? No. No? This is the one where he did
1: as the orphan. Okay. This is his first
0: first full length. Oh, ah, okay.
1: Him playing the old tramp.
0: <laughs> doing <laughs> tramp-raising? Playing the old tramp. All right, cool. Uh, all right, I think that that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com/filmpulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. We appreciate that so very much. For Kevin Rankstraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. several anthology oh god i'm just i'm floundering already <laughs>